Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today and want to give a very warm welcome to Jim Krause. Jim is the president of Buyer Persona Institute, a leading market research and consulting firm. With multiple decades of experience, Jim is an expert in understanding customers and their buying behaviors. Jim leads the development and implementation of the proprietary buyer persona framework, the five rings of buying insight to help businesses optimize their marketing and sales strategies by leveraging buyer personas. Actively engaging with his audience through his blog and newsletter, The Buyer Persona Buzz, Jim is also a sought-after podcast guest and speaker. He is currently collaborating with Adele Rivella on the second edition of the book, Buyer Personas, to expand awareness and enhance understanding of effective buying strategies. Today, Jim and I are going to be chatting about buyer personas' impact on driving highly effective buying strategies. We'll learn what works from Jim's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Jim, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. What I always like to do is start off this podcast with how did you get here today? I just read something that said a lot of things with buyer personas. I mean, you obviously have built your entire business and strategies on the importance of this. And what got you here today to make that happen? Yeah, so I've been uh, in the market research industry for two or three decades now um, with a passion to really understand consumers, business buyers, and really uh, developing insights that help marketing, sales, and product uh, development really improve their performance. Um, so one of the nice things about where I'm at now leading the Buyer Persona Institute is, and one of the reasons I was drawn to doing this type of work is because the Buyer Persona is done a certain way, which we'll probably talk about today, are one of the most logical, tangible ways to get buying insights that directly inform marketing and sales decisions. There's no mystery around um, this fact-based approach to doing this. It literally takes all the mystery out of marketing and sales. So you know exactly what you need to do to educate and influence prospective buyers. So that was something that's um, really appealing to me as a market research professional. Um, and it's also an opportunity to really see our clients or folks that use our methodology improve their performance, which we continually get a lot of satisfaction out of. Where is it, you know, when we say buyer persona, and, and this is something that works with both B2C as well as B2B, what is a buyer persona really for our listeners who think they might have it dialed in, but not so much? Yeah, so it's a it's a great question because it's really at the heart of everything. So buyer persona, you know, 10, 15 years ago was almost a mantra as far as, you know, marketing sales should do buyer personas. And and a lot of folks look at buyer personas and they think about it as a uh, fictional avatar of a particular person or a role that might be involved in the buying decision. So as an example, um, there's a one uh, camp that will think of buyer personas as I'm going to need, if I'm selling a technology solution, as an example, I want to have a buyer persona on CIOs because I think they're involved in the decision process. And I may go out and find out information on CIOs, like what is their typical education and um, what are their uh, overall priorities and challenges and what information sources do they use? And that's fine. But the challenge with those type of buyer personas is they tell you nothing about the actual buying decision that you're you're trying to influence. 
right? So when you're really, when you're really getting, especially when you're talking about higher consideration buying decisions, um, it really doesn't matter almost what the CIO's overall priorities and challenges are. That'll take you to a point. But when they're really evaluating and figure out who am I going to consider, um, what are the different concerns and decision criteria I'm going to use that are going to really influence my decision on this particular purchase, those type of insights, what we call a buyer profile that I just described, aren't very helpful. So the what we think of as a buyer persona is a deep understanding of the actual buying decision. Um, and we can talk about that a little more if you'd like, as far as the key areas of insight. But the key distinction is not just understanding the fictional avatar of the people involved, but understanding everything you need to know about the buying decision so you know exactly what you want to be doing from a marketing and sales perspective. That's the key distinction. And a lot of times we're talking, especially with B2B, a much higher priced item that is being sold versus your general consumer. So this is extremely important to the health of an organization to be able to actually dial into whom you're selling to in order to get those sales to happen. Correct. Yeah. So when we say high consideration decisions, you know, there's typical, typically a buying committee and the buying committee will vary depending on what the product or services it says. But what's really important to understand is um, that when you get into a decision like that, there is a lot at stake, right? So it's one is the investment, which you, which you mentioned. The other thing is also just, it's really important from a professional standpoint and an organizational standpoint that you achieve all the outcomes you want from that particular purchase. Um, one of the things that we found is with some interesting research done probably about six months ago in this book called The Jolt Effect, where the authors looked at a million sales transactions, um, conversations that happened during the COVID period, and they were able to do analysis on it, which was a unique opportunity because there were so many virtual sales interactions. And one of the most compelling things they found was literally how much indecision is involved in the purchase process and how nervous buyers are because they're not sure about which direction to go. I mean, a lot of these complex decisions, they never thought about these product or services in their life. And now all of a sudden they're they're trying to figure out what is the best way to go and all this information is coming at them. Um, so it's really imperative that you understand that buying decision and what makes buyers tick and what are they really concerned about and what do they want to achieve? Because that way your marketing and sales can just be tightly aligned with that and you'll break through all the clutter and the noise uh, and they'll say, hey, these these folks really understand me. Um, and that's going to really help differentiate you. And what you're saying is a lot of buyers probably live in fear that they're going to make the wrong choice that's going to impact not just their job, but their career and their ability to even take care of their families. It comes down to that much of an important decision to them. Yeah. And the analysis that the authors had done in, in, in the book, it was fascinating. It was almost 50% of the time where uh, there was uh, an indecision, right? That's really the big, the sales biggest uh, competitor is indecision. Now the prevailing wisdom has always been that there's a preference for the status quo. And that's why buyers don't make a decision. They just stick with what they have. In fact, that's not true. Literally almost 60% of the time in those cases, it's fear of commission, which is what you just said, which is the fear of messing up, right? Maybe what they're using now isn't ideal. It's not perfect. It's the reason they're looking for all their alternatives, but it's the devil that you know. And because a, a lot of times it's the first time really buying a particular product or service like this, they're nervous about it, right? They haven't, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of focus on how hard the job of the seller is. Think how hard the job of the buyer is 
when they may be looking at, let's say, a new technology solution that they never have looked at before, or it's something that they haven't looked at in a long time and, and the world has changed, right? So you really need to, understand, need to understand all those fears, concerns, and drivers and needs so that you can make them feel at ease, confident that what they end up buying is going to work out. That's what they're ultimately looking for. And is there ways that you can best set yourself up to this? And I know we're going to talk about buyer persona, but you touched on it. It's not just making them feel at ease that they understand. It's making them feel at ease that they're going to be able to explain to that committee who's part of that buying process or their supervisors or managers or ownership that this is the right thing and have the actual ability to support that decision over another. Absolutely. And that, and that's all part of it, right? So it's um, a lot of times when we find these high consideration buying decisions, there's multiple influencers that are involved. Typically, they'll go through, they'll look at different options, they'll come up with recommendations, they'll typ typically bring it to quote unquote, senior management, whatever that means for final approval. And one of the things you're trying to do is to make that quote unquote, sale as easy as possible, or if not the sale, because it may be already some buy in for the investment, you want to have buy in that your the option that your option is the best option and by understanding some of their key concerns as well as the benefits that they need to achieve from the purchase you're going to end up being a partner in the sales process because a you're going to develop that empathy and they're going to see that you really care and b because you if you have these insights in your persona you're going to be much more prepared than the other alternatives they're looking at right so that just puts you in a much better position so when you're working with a company, what's your first step? What's the first thing that you do to try to understand if they even are in the right direction of being able to have buyer personas figured out? Yeah, I mean, typically when I we talk to new uh, new clients or organizations that just want to talk to us about you know buyer personas and and what they may be able to do, the first questions we usually ask is you know do they have any current buyer personas and what do those look like? Um, just to try to get a sense whether they really focus more on buyer profiles, as I talked about before, and do they have an appetite to maybe think a little differently about personas based on the buying decision. Um, once we get through that, one of the things I, I also like about the framework we use is it, it's not rocket science. It's very logical. You, you look at it and it's not like you have to sit there and think like, how does how are we going to use this? It's it's how are you not going to use it? It usually ends up what happening when we talk about the the what the persona actually is and the buying insights. Um, usually when we start meeting with them, if we want to do some work with them, uh, the, the first step is doing a kickoff meeting. We call it a study design meeting. Um, and this is something you can do yourself as well if you wanted to use our approach yourself. And that is really two things. One is define, defining what the buying decision is, which seems very easy oftentimes, but it's fascinating to me to get a bunch of product marketing sales professionals in a room and have everyone define what is the actual buying decision that we're trying to understand. There's a lot of value in that. Um, the second thing we do is once we define that buying decision is define what are their target, uh, what other characteristics are there of who you're targeting with that offering? So are you targeting specific geos or industries or company sizes or things of that nature? Once you have those two pieces, the buying decision defined and the target customer, now you can say, all right, these are the folks that we want to go out and talk to, right? Because the way you build your buyer persona is you interview recent buyers that have made that exact buying decision you're trying to influence. So those first two steps I mentioned to you is critical because if you don't talk to the right people, 
right, that have actually been through this buying process, there's no way you're going to get all the insights you're looking for. So that's that's always the first step. And where, so besides not having the right insights, where do people go wrong with this first step? It's typically if A, they're just not even thinking about the buying decision, right? They're th- thinking more about the the profile piece and understanding the, a specific role. Um, the other thing is not defining the buying decision specifically enough. So as an example, um, also use CRM as a as kind of a simple example. If if you're doing a persona to understand the CRM buying decision, you may be an organization that focuses uh, focuses on a certain aspect of CRM. You know, let's say marketing. Um, maybe you're an organization that's really trying to understand certain aspects or characteristics of marketing because your particular solution is strong there, and that's really at the end of the day your target market because that's who you're really have the best shot of winning against and you may be putting resources around that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of value just talking about that very specifically. Other times it may be brought, maybe a CRM, you wanna understand all components of CRM um, and that's fine. It really depends on the on the organization, what their objective is. Um, and then defining who you're trying to target very specifically, because again, if you leave it too broad and you don't define it, you're not gonna get buy-in from the organization on the back end. They're gonna be like, who did you, the first question will be, who did you talk to, right? So you wanna make sure that when you're telling them what the buying decision is um, that you define and you're saying, here's who we spoke with, they're gonna be like, oh, those are people we'd love to have in our sales pipeline. What do you got for me? What do, what do they think, <laughs> right? Because then you got them because those are the folks they're trying to sell to. And then after this step, you figured out the, the basic construct of the buyer persona. What do you do at that point? So the next step is to find recent buyers. So the way you develop your buyer personas, the best way is to actually talk to recent buyers. And when I say recent buyers, maybe make a real clear delineation here. We are not talking about your current customers necessarily. So the first step isn't going to, you know, look at finding a customer list and talking to your current customers. They're going to have inherent biases. They've already selected you for that matter. Um, maybe you're trying to upsell or cross-sell, but they don't represent you know, a new client acquisition opportunity for whatever product or services you're focused on. What you want to do is um, you want to find people that have made that exact buying decision in the last 12 months. And a lot of times those are going to be folks that either A, maybe never looked at you or didn't pick you and B, are looking at some of your competitors. And you want to do unbiased, objective interviews with these. Our, you know, interviews we do you typically last about 30 to 40 minutes. They're very unstructured. Um, from the standpoint that we don't ask specific questions. We're not asking for ratings and rankings, and it's not a survey. What we're looking to do is understand their buying journey from the moment that they had an, felt like they had initial need for this product or service, You know, things that got them actually looking, all the way until they make the final decision. We almost approach the interviews like a journalist would, right? They've got a story to tell, their buyer story, not just theirs, but their organization's we know we've done our job when we've done an interview where we really understand everything and we've been able to probe on things. Um, so as an example, one of the key areas we always try to understand is um, what we call success factors, which is essentially are what are the benefits and outcomes they're looking for? Typically, when you ask that question of a buyer, they'll give you a very thoughtful answer, but there's usually two or three things underneath that where the gold really is. So if they say, you know, we want, we're looking for improved security. Okay, well, wh- why do you want improved security? Well, I want improved security because that way I can sleep at night and I don't have to worry about losing my job. You know, so just as an example, and you just probe like that to get at all those nuggets that 
when it comes to marketing and sales time, those are the things that really connect with buyers. And so when you've dialed in this framework more, uh, I'm going to ask my favorite question. Where does it go wrong with that as well? Where What mistakes do people make? Yeah, so the biggest mistake uh, I would say people make is um, is just not following that the approach that I mentioned to you. So the one thing I want to mention before I get to that question, because it'll lead to an answer to your question, which is a good one, is when we do the interviews, the buyer persona that we come out with has five key areas of buying insight. Um, and let me just go through these fairly quickly, but each one is really crucial. One is priority initiatives. So what we do is we do we do the interviews, we look across all the interviews to identify patterns in the data, and we come back with insights. One's called priority initiatives. This is the thing, these are the things that literally triggered the need to start looking for a solution, right? So you may have had a particular need or a challenge for months, even years. What is the thing that got you to actually start looking? That's number one. Number two that we look for is what I mentioned before, success factors. What are the outcomes that you need from this investment? You know, what do you need to deliver? What needs to happen differently as a result of this investment? The third thing we call perceived barriers. And these are all the fears, concerns, trepidations that buyers have. And, and if it's a high consideration decision, I assure you they will have them. You want to know what they are, right? And a lot of times it comes out as they didn't look at particular providers for a certain reason, or they didn't. Just, uh, they didn't decide on selecting a particular solution for a particular reason. We want to understand what all those are, right? Because you want to know what those are. The fourth thing is decision criteria. And from the interviews, what we carefully do is determine how are people going from their initial consideration list to winnowing it down to choosing somebody. And from that, we're able to take away all the key questions that they're going to base their decision on. And you want to know what those questions are going to be ahead of time. And then the fifth and final one is buyer's journey. And this is, what are the steps in the, in the in the process? Who are the influencers that are involved? What are the information sources that they use and trust? And those are all critical. So going to your question, I would say, um, the biggest thing is to make sure that you do your due diligence and you find, make sure you find recent buyers that are in your target market. And it's the buying decision that you had to find for them. Um, use a very journalistic approach to your interviewing and get them talking. You know, a lot of times marketers are sometimes nervous to talk to buyers and they shouldn't be because buyers are, they love to talk about their story. It's its not, they're not pontificating. They're not dreaming up how they feel. They're literally going to tell you, here's everything we went through. And, and they're, you know, they're, they're these definitive source for that. And they like talking about it because it was an important decision for them. So right. just doing, keeping your due diligence is key. I think the one thing that you just struck there is that the word talk, right? So having a conversation, I think there's still a lot of sales teams that go in and when they're pitching, they're pitching their brand and they're not actually listening and they're not actually asking those questions that are such great learning nuggets and moments. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking of it as they have this, you know, 30 minute hour, however many time frames of captured time with this potential that's going to give them money and that they're just going to spew out information while their audience watches, interprets, and then takes it back and instantly buys. And that's just not how the buying process goes. Yeah. And it, it's a great point because of all, we do so many buyer interviews. Uh, we've probably done thousands um, since, um, since we started doing this. And one of the things that we continuously find out is find um, is that 
partnership, you know, decision criteria, that feeling of partnership and nothing makes a buyer feel like your partner than pausing to really understand the business. We hear it time and time again, that folks that they selected are ones that, you know, there's an assumption that you have things to offer that have value, right? There's the assumption that from buyers that you will have that. What is not an assumption is, are you able to deliver something that's going to work for us? And the only way to be able to do that is to take the time to really understand us because then they feel heard, number one, and understood. And then if you map that to coming back to them with, here's how we're going to help solve that problem. Um, here's maybe even maybe where we can't, being honest about it, that goes a long, long way. And that's something we hear in buyer interviews all the time. And from there, what's the next step? Um, the next step is once you do the interviews, is doing that analysis and and the buyer personas is two things I would recommend in developing your buyer personas. Um, one is, you know, do the analysis, look across the, the interviews that you do for uh, insight from all of them. We typically do 10 qualitative interviews per buyer persona. You can always do more. I wouldn't suggest doing any less than that. Um, the other thing that we highly recommend you do is when you deliver your, or you develop your insights, you don't want to just have the insights by themselves. So let's say we you do a study and you identify six priority initiatives. There's six things that you learned are really the triggers that gets people starting to look. The other thing you want to deliver with them is buyer quotes. And what those are is literally captions of different buyers talking about that particular um, that particular trigger in this case. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's so important is because two reasons. One is it helps you really understand buyers in a much more intimate way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you know, you saying, here's the insight and that's it. You're actually hearing how they thought about it, how they talked about it. What was the interaction in their organization about it? So that's, so that's big. Mm -hmm. And that helps you from a marketing and sales standpoint to connect with buyers. The other biggest thing it does is it just creates incredible buy-in. Right. So, you know, if we do, if we're doing a study with a particular company uh, and and one of us is leading the readout, I spend more time going over buyer quotes than I do anything else. Right. Because that's what they want to hear. These are the folks they're trying to sell to. Uh, and that just create, it's creates buy in. And, and it's it's almost like you can't ignore what you're hearing because it's it's the truth. And so from there. What is next? So there's a number of different things that you can do, right? So there's just doing the buyer persona work by itself. Um, there's a number of things that organizations will often do um, with the results, right? So one of the things they do is they either develop new me messaging or at a minimum, they refine, upgrade, however you want to call it. But there's almost always modifications to their messaging, um, not only top of the funnel, but really middle and bottom of the funnel type of stuff. So one of the beauties of the buyer personas, as I've talked about, is that when you get to perceive barriers and decision criteria, you're getting into middle and bottom, bottom of the funnel stuff, right? This is where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, as they say, right? This is where you really want to be pretty succinct in, a, in what you're communicating to buyers. So you can really update your messaging at the top, middle and bottom of the funnel. So that's one thing uh, folks often do. Another key thing that they do is they just get a lot of alignment between marketing and sales and products. So one of the things we always recommend is to do a readout of these results and spend real time on the persona. Go through it for 90 minutes, do another session, 
and keep walking through it with your product marketing sales uh, folks. So they're all on the same page about, you know, how are these decisions being made and what's really moving the needle? Um, the other th way we see a lot of organization use them is it influences product development, right? So there may be certain features that you're promoting and you find out, you know what, buyers don't really care about them all that much. Um, you know, I'm sorry, but they don't. Um, maybe they'll care about them in a couple of years or maybe never. But you'll also find oftentimes we find that there's certain features or capabilities that you have that you're not really paying a lot of attention to, but buyers feel like they're really important because they deliver some capability that's important to them or helps alleviate a concern that they have and you want to accentuate those. So those are all ways that we see companies use personas very quickly. The other overall activity I can't recommend enough, um, and we actually do a workshop on it. So is it something that um, we either do for, for companies or they can do themselves is if you think of a simple Venn diagram, mm -hmm. you know, two interlocking circles, um, if one side, one circle is what your buyer wants and needs, um, essentially all the things you just find out, your, you found out in your buyer persona, you've got all those insights, you're solid on those. What you want to do is you want to overlay another circle on top of that. And that is what your company's capabilities are. So, you know, out of a typical buyer persona, we may come out with 30, 40 different things that buyers want and need. The likelihood of you being able to deliver on all of them is probably pretty small, but the likelihood of you being able to deliver really capably on many of them is also very strong. So what you can do is you can overlay all the insights from the buyer persona, literally go through each one, figure out what are our capabilities, you know, can, you know, and you could do rating scales, like we have really high differentiating capability here, other providers can't do it, all the way to, we have no answer for this one. Um, and then the other thing we recommend is, besides doing that, is also look at the importance of those different, um, those different things you find out in your buyer persona. You may, you may have to be a little subjective on that. Once you find out that middle ground, you know, essentially the intersection of those two circles, that's your sweet spot. That's your, your message themes, your value props. Those are things that you can now go to your sales teams and say, hey, you know, here's five or six key me key message themes that we know buyers want. We did the work to make sure that we, you know, that we're rock solid there. We also did the work to map our capabilities to them. And here's your story you can tell, right? Because a lot of times salespeople are just figuring out what do I talk to clients about that they're going to care about. This gives you, you know, oftentimes we come up with five or six different core message themes and, it, you know, you can kind of pick and choose depending on who the buyer is. But that's another exercise that I can't recommend highly enough. And my assumption is dialing into your source material, those who are actually already buying from you and diving in and understanding where their objections were or where they find value from you or how they even interpret your product, your service, whatever it might be, is probably a ground place to come from as far as how to start. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, we we have people, clients that uh, call these personas cheat sheets, which is like the biggest compliment we could, you know, we could hear because what they mean is there's no guessing anymore, right? You know, if you picture yourself in a messaging workshop where you're trying to figure out what, um, you know, three different roles might want from your product or service and what's going to really kind of get their attention and be meaningful to them and be helpful to them, make them feel confident in, in their buying decision. This is basically, we're handing that, those personas basically that, right? No more guesswork. Now you can use all your marketing and sales 
quite frankly, expertise and creativity to figure out how do we use that information, right? That's kind of the fun part of it. Um, you really shouldn't be guessing at this stuff. There's really no reason to. And is there a big difference in approach if you have a service versus a product or a software? None at all. Um, the only difference would be, so the approach I'm laying out to you really is ideally suited for more high consideration buying decisions, whether it's a business or consumer for that matter. Um, but it doesn't matter whether it's a product or service, right? Because at the end of the day, if if you're trying to figure out if you want to buy a certain product or if you're trying to figure out a service or a service provider you want to go with, um, you're still going to go through a decision process if it's a high consideration decision. So there's no, no difference in the approach, um, no difference in how you analyze the results and, and quote unquote, the deliverables of the persona. How can people find you? They want to go online and they're like, let me talk to Jim. I need help. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of ways. Um, our website's buyerpersona.com, and there's all kinds of resources there. There's a contact us button. Just click that if you want to reach out to us. Um, but there's also a, a lot of resources we put out there. So you'll find we have a master class that's a self-paced class that, you know, if you want to if you want to do this yourself, you can go through that class and it'll, um, you know, really kind of teach you all the things you need to know to do this. Um, there's also templates that are available um, as well. So there's a lot of information on our website. Um, and then also feel free to uh, link into me, um, Jim Krause, K-R-A-U-S, and I'd be happy to uh, uh, touch base with you however you'd like as well. And so when you're working through this, what are some of the resistance factors within organizations? Do they think that developing a buyer persona is too difficult, not important, like farcical? I mean, obviously we know it's important, but... What do you encounter? I, quite honestly, I, I've never found somebody that didn't in marketing and sales that were or product that were came to us that were looking to understand their buyers better to inform their marketing and sales strategies and, and messaging and campaigns and thought leadership. I've never we, we don't really encounter people that don't see the lodging in it or don't want to do it. It's more of, you know, resources to do it, know how to do it. The other thing that we run into is uh, folks that are already down a certain path. Mm -hmm. So if you're already down a path where you're doing buyer personas and it's really focused on um, profiling roles rather than understanding buying decisions, a lot of times it's we can't undo that, right? It's a train that's left the station and it's got to keep going for some good reasons, right? Like once you get some momentum in an organization, you're developing plans around a certain approach, um, so what we usually try to do in those cases is just talk about a more of a buying decision-based approach. And if they have needs in the future or they have the opportunity to kind of, you know, maybe shift a little bit or try something different um, to try this approach. Um, but those are the things that we commonly run into. And, you know, I'll mention the funny thing about this approach is it simplifies marketing. So, you know, we've encountered organizations that have 20, 30, 40 buyer personas. I, I kid you not with all these different roles. And, and the problem is it's just so much information that it's paralysis. A lot of times you don't even have the resources to market to all those different people. Right. And it's it's really not necessary, right? Because when you understand the buying decision, you know, it is a buying committee. They're all trying to be on the same page here. And by interviewing anybody on that buying committee, right, that has gone through the process, you can in one fell swoop get all the information you need to influence that buying committee. It doesn't have to be so complicated. 
Um, but again, it's something that you kind of got to work through and, you know, process that, that thought. <laughs> right. Because your CFO is going to be looking at, you know, the investment differently than your head of sales, who's just looking at this as, yes, we're going to be able to accomplish X, Y, Z. And there's just different levels of how people are approaching in general. Right. Right. But by talking to different types of functions to develop your buyer persona, you'll get all of those. You know, you're going to find, you're not going to miss anything. You'll, you'll pick them up. Yeah. And it'd be important to be able to, because when you're having that person go back, if you're only talking to one person, they're having to sell in to all those different personalities. Yep. Correct. Yep. You got it. Any other last moments of advice that you would share with our listeners today? You know, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll reiterate again. And, and that's that, you know, don't be afraid to go talk to recent buyers, right? I mean, they, they have, there's no reason to guess at this stuff, literally no reason at all. Um, it's information you should have, you know, because to try to connect with somebody, I mean, think about it. If you're trying to really connect with somebody in a very positive way, right? You're trying to help educate them, help influence them in a certain direction that's going to help them. Mm -hmm. Um how do you do that if you don't really understand the decision that they're making? If you're guessing at it, you're going to miss the mark. And, and really, you're almost doing a disservice. If you think about if you're a buyer out there and you're looking at these different alternatives, you're inundated with all this information. You're just looking for somebody that can really help you, mm -hmm. right? That can say, hey, you know, let me help you understand some of the things that you need to understand maybe about this particular product or service overall. Nothing even to do with our organization, um, so if it's, it's go talk to buyers they'll, they'll, you know, if you're doing research interviews, you'll have to pay them a little money to do it, but that's just, you know, that's doing research and doing interviews has been around for, for decades. Um, and they like talking about it. They, you know, they, these are, these are really, uh, a lot of times we have trouble getting people off the phone. <laughs> you know, they, they like talking about this stuff. So. Well, and I think, you know, learning the objections that people have. And that's one of the biggest hurdles. And then if you are able to do this research and if you are able to have the conversations, you're going to enable your team to be able to respond accordingly in a much stronger position. Yeah, absolutely. It builds, it builds confidence and alignment across the organization. It's magical. Our, my, our favorite meetings are the readout meetings because, you know, it's edge of the seat stuff, right? And it's not all new. I mean, it's not like you, you it's... It's not like you've never thought of some of the things you hear from buyers, right? There's this perception that like, oh, this is magical stuff. No, but it does accentuate what's really important at the end of the day when they're making these buying decisions and you can just get behind that. So it does, it does create a lot of energy in the organization. Well, I think it also positions people. I think we all have a tendency to think of the product we're selling and think about the product, the product, the product, the product. And we forget that we're humans also, and that we mm -hmm. have probably the exact same objections that someone else might have. If we could really dial into that, it's not so different from one product, one service to another. And there's a commonality that even if we looked at it ourselves, we'd be able to answer a lot of these questions. Yeah, you're hundred percent correct. And that's one of the beauties of the buyer quotes because it humanizes it so much, right? It's not a you know, here's seven insights and that's it, right? It does so much more than that. It humanizes it. And one of the funny things is, you know, perception's reality. So a lot of times we will pick up, we'll pick up really good competitive insights as well. We'll also pick up insights about the particular organization that may be sponsoring the research. And it's funny how many, not funny, but it's, it's ironically, a lot of times you will hear buyers talk about an organization or their solution and they're a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> Right. They say, well, they didn't have this capability and, 
you know, we're going through the persona and I've got nine people telling me, well, we do have this capability. Well, I'm sure you do. So let's think about how do we get that out there? Right. Yeah, that's, not you know, and that, it. yeah, right. Exactly. So it's a nice challenge to have. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time today. I think that you provided an excellent insight into buyer personalities and personas and why they're so important actually to businesses today. Great. It was a lot of fun to say. Appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you are trying to figure out how you can leverage your brand in getting into content from television and film and all other elements of pop culture like celebrities and influencers, please reach out. Love to chat. We'll talk soon. Take care. Of course, why would you want to do that? Yeah, no, could go into that too. <laughs> but thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think that we've ended up at an agency, small agency, you know, using things like a HubSpot buyer persona. It's in, it's interesting to see how people's just eyes glaze over really, really quickly. Right. And I think that's how most people think about buyer personas, personas and, and building these nowadays. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's literally my daily job trying to educate and showing people another path forward. But yeah, the, the HubSpots of the world have not done us any favors. Um, so uh Whatever. We have everybody's... Tom, Nick, Jane. Look yeah. at them. They have a dog. Yeah. I know. I know. So everybody's got a torch to carry. But uh, uh, just one thing on the intro about yeah. the book. So yes. Ad- Adele Ravel wrote your intro from what our team had written. As yeah. So Adele Ravel, Adele Ravella wrote the original book. She's the founder of Buyer Persona Institute. Okay. And because you said my book, um, and her and I are co-writing a second edition that's going to come out next year. Okay, so what I have is actively engaging with his audience through his blog newsletter, the buyer persona buzz. Jim, um, um, Jim is a sought-after podcast, all of that. Um, currently collaborating on the second edition of the book, Buyer Personas. Yep, with, uh, you can, and you can mention Adele Ravella. Probably wouldn't be a bad thing. She's pretty known. <laughs> like she's got How a pretty good rep. Last name? Um, R-E-V. E-L-A. Let me make sure it's one L. Her name always drives me crazy. Um, yeah, R-E-V-E-L-L-A. I'm sorry, it's two L's. R-E-V-E-L-L-A. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's... Was there anything else I'd gotten incorrect? There was just some... There's. Nope, that was the only one. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always sensitive to that because I don't want people know Adele for writing that book. And I don't want them to think that like I'm taking credit for the first book. Yeah. Um, is Adele so, like D-E-L-L? Um, no, Adele is Adele, one. Adele, like A-D. Okay. A, yeah, A-D-E-L-E. I can do that one. Perfect. Okay. I'm just typing on Adele and decided to make it Adele. Um, all right. Okay. I can add that in. Perfect. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Um, you asked great questions. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't drone on too long. But No, um, I thought they were very good questions. And they're all okay. things that our team needs to dial into better because we are not missing. We're not dialed in well enough and by our personas at all and figuring out what objections are and how to answer them. So it's on our, our bucket list of things to check off and get through as well with some of our team members. Cool. All right. Well, if you need anything else, let me know and I'll look out for uh, some additional communications and we'll help get the word out on this as well. 
Sounds great. Thank you so much, Jim. All right, Stacey, have a great day. Take care now. Okay, re-recording because that didn't go so well. Um, all right, so um, let me just add. Thank you.